I just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us a new day. Thank you for the strength, the health, and life that we can be here today, Lord, with an expectant heart to worship you, but also to receive from you. And Lord, as we are gathered together, Lord, we humble ourselves before you and your word, and we ask that you will speak to us. Lord, let it not be my words, but your words that draw us closer to you. Grant us to, to know you more. And to understand more of what you have given us and to what you have called us. And give us the grace to live it so that you may be glorified through it. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, we started off this year um, with a theme of homecoming. And um, it's great to just preach around this concept of home and what it means to be at home. Home, of course, speaks of a place of identity, belonging, safety, and purpose. And one verse that I used before that summarizes this concept of identity, purpose, belonging, and safety in our home is found in 1 Peter 2 from verse 9. And it says the following, but, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not the people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this really um, is, is, is a powerful summary also and a definition of, of an aspect of what I believe that God is calling us to as a church for this year is to be a city on a hill. And Lisa shared last week around this concept more of what it means to be a city on a hill. The city also speaks of this aspect of identity, belonging, safety, and purpose. The context, of course, in which this these words are spoken, being a city on a hill, is Jesus' own words. And I want us just to read Matthew 5, verse 14 again, to remind us of Jesus' words when he said that we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then if you read further, you will find the context really is about we are different to the rest of the world. We are called, redeemed, sanctified to be different. If we think about these words in 1 Peter, one of the aspects that stands out is the fact that we are called to be different. Different to the world, like, like light in the darkness. There's a stark difference between light and darkness. And what makes it even more powerful is the fact that we once belonged to the world. We once belonged to darkness, but now we were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Not just into the light, but now God says we have become the light of the world. Like those who have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. What, what makes this even more different and so stark is not just the fact that we were always different. 
And therefore, it's, it's hard to comprehend that we can possibly be the same. What makes it even more powerful is the fact that we were once darkness. We were once part of darkness. And that God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as he called us out of darkness into his light, he says, now I want you to be the light in the darkness of this world. Light of the world speaks of the fact that we are different to the world. A city that cannot be hidden speaks of the fact that we are different and we cannot hide it. It's not meant to be hidden. Later on, Jesus continues the very next verse. He speaks about a lamp that is not meant to be hidden under a basket. Instead, it's meant to be placed on a lampstand so that the difference can be clearly seen. That is what we are called to be. And so with that in mind, I want us just to reflect again on 1 Peter 2 verse 9 that says that you are a chosen people. Different. You are a royal priesthood. Different. You are a holy nation. Different. You are God's special possession. Different. It all speaks about the fact that we are different. So that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then it goes on in verse 10. Once you were not the people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's such a powerful declaration of an aspect of salvation, identity, belonging as the people of God. We are the people of God. We are different to the world. We are not the same. The first thing that makes us different is that we are God's people. And, and, I, and, and as we continue in this journey of discovering what it means to be a city of the hill, this is one of the most important things to, to understand and to grasp. We are God's people. We are not the people of this world. We are God's people. That makes us different. The first thing that makes us different is the fact that we are God's people. We are chosen, royal, holy, and special. If you look at that verse, you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, and you are special. Now, before you think too much how much better you are than the rest of the world because of these things. What made us all these things is God's grace. It wasn't us. It wasn't me. I became something. Not, not out of my own ability or my own doing or my own performance or my own works. It was simply because God chose to pluck me out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so everything that we have become that is so different to the world is because of God's grace. Because of God's grace, we are now chosen, holy, royal, and special. But not because of ourselves. Remember, 
We were darkness once. Ourselves. We are not special, royal, or holy in ourselves. We did not earn it through our works or our performance. It was God's mercy towards us. It was His mercy towards us. It was God's grace. And then I'm going to read again what I read last time, Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 7, because it it just emphasizes the reality that we once were darkness. And the fact that we are holy and special and royal today is not because of ourselves. It's because of His grace. You were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once worked walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now in work of the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just like the rest of mankind that is who we were if it was not for god's grace But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And you were raised up with Him and seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show His immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us, in Christ Jesus. So we are special because of His grace. We are holy because of His grace. We are royal because of His grace. And we are chosen because of His grace. It is by grace that we are saved, redeemed, and adopted into God's family. It is by God's grace that we are special. It is not in and of ourselves. Therefore, Ephesians continues. It it says there, so that, verse 7. It says, so that. The reason of this, and this is important for us to understand, because sometimes we think we are special. No, no, he is special. And the purpose of it all, of picking Andres while he was dead in his trespasses. While he was dead in his trespasses. While he walked the ways of the world. And he was just like the rest of the world. Andres was handpicked out of it by grace. And he became special. Royal, holy. It was by His grace. That's the, and, and the purpose of it all, if you look back from the angel's perspective, what they see is that someone was redeemed not because they deserved it, simply because of God's grace. So that, verse 7, in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches, immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us. Immeasurable. Because Andres did not deserve it. He was dead just like the rest. And in the end, it will only show 
His immeasurable kindness towards us. The immeasurable riches of His grace. And He will receive the glory for it. Not me. Not us. Ephesians continues, verse 8. The very next verse, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. <laughs> for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So, what it says firstly is that we are different to the world because of grace. And secondly, it is His grace and kindness towards us that saved us. It is His grace, kindness and patience that not only saved us, but it is His grace, patience and kindness that sustains us to be different. Don't think because this life of yours started with grace, it now is all about you. No, we were saved by grace, and we are sustained by grace. This pen that is saved by grace, can it stand on its own? I love this illustration. Somebody used it once. This pen can only, can this pen stand on its own? Now, let me prove you wrong. See, there it goes. It's standing. Why is this pen standing? Yeah, Because the same grace that picked it up is holding it up. So the pen is not special, is it? <laughs> it's not a special pen. It can't stand by itself. The only reason it's different to all the other pens in this basket it's because it's standing. But it's standing because of God's grace. We are different because we have been redeemed into the family of God. But we are also sustained by the same grace and kindness. 1 Peter 1 says the following. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power, His divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Two very powerful concepts. First, and I'm going to end with the end. I'm going to start with the end. You and I, as God's people, here, have all things pertaining to life and godliness. You are special. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You belong to God. And you have everything pertaining to life and godliness. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that sustains you. That what gives us everything, however, pertaining to life and godliness, is God's divine power. His hand. His divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. So by the way, He's the one who called us. 
to His own glory and excellence. We have been called to His glory and excellence and He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness to live it to the full. Not by ourselves, but by His divine power that He has already given us. By which He has granted to us, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of His divine nature. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness because of His divine power and that He has granted us to be partakers of His divine nature so that we can stand in this world different. Escaping from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. Speaking of the fact that we have not just been called out of the world and the ways of the world in which we once walked, the, way, the ways of the sons of disobedience that gave into the desires of their flesh and their mind. We were called out of that. We were redeemed and we were given His divine power that we no longer have to walk the way the world walks, but be completely different. In godliness and holiness. And he has given each and every one of us the ability to do so. That begs the question. Why are we not? And here comes, here, here comes the, 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 the challenge between God's grace and our will, our surrender, our loyalty and willingness to yield to him. Because if you yield to his hand, he will make you stand. But if you resist it, he will not force it upon us. So can we live a godly life in this world? Yes, <laughs> we can. Can we overcome sin and temptation in this world? Are we still sinners? No. We're no longer sinners. We used to be sinners. We used to be controlled by the flesh and the desires of the flesh in our mind. But then we were redeemed and we were given the Holy Spirit. So we, we're no longer sinners. We are saints now. We are saints that from time to time still sin because of the weakness of our flesh. But we're not called to be sinners. So let me rectify this quickly. You are not a sinner. Now, the world is sinners. So please, stop calling yourself a sinner. You are not. You used to be a sinner, but you were redeemed. What do sinners do? Why is this important? It's about identity. Who do you belong to? Who are you? What do sinners do? They... Sin. That's why you call them sinners. Because they sin. So, so what does children of God do? They do not sin. Is it possible for them? Is it possible for sinners to do good things? Yes. Well, why don't we call them good people? Well, because they're sinners. 
Yes, 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 yes. So is it possible for good people to sin? Yes, but you're not. That doesn't make you a sinner. Because that's not who you are. You, you are a holy priesthood for crying out loud. Holy priests do not sin. So stop it. Stop it. The only reason we are struggling with sin is because we haven't crucified the flesh yet. We're whipping it, putting it in jail. We're not killing it yet. The Bible says you must crucify the flesh and its desires. And you must submit to the Spirit. If you submit to the Spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Why? Because you're no longer here, you're now here. We are a holy people. God's special possession. A royal priesthood. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. As a matter of fact, we were what? <clears throat> Having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Because now he's poured his divine nature in us through the Holy Spirit. We've, he's given us divine power to be different. Are you confused? God granted us all that we need for life and godliness. By becoming partakers of his divine nature through the Holy Spirit that is in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Paul says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. So that you will no longer need to Submit to the desires of the flesh. So when temptation comes, I'm getting off topic, it's not part of my notes, but when tempta temptation is not a sin, people. Temptation is not a sin. It's when you give in to temptation that it leads to sin. So, so because we live in the world and we still have this flesh box, eh, that, is, that is weak and vulnerable to temptation, it will constantly be tempted to sin. Temptation is not sin. It's when I give in to the temptation that it leads to sin. But now the word of God says, I've given you everything that you don't need to say yes to temptation. You can say no. And then starts the battle. Well, because the flesh is, yes, I want it. This is what I want to do. This is good for me. This is nice. And the Spirit says, no, it will lead to death. Follow me. And then we're in a battle between who we're going to follow. And then there's the struggle that we find it in our own strength. Even though I don't want to do this, I end up doing this. So I realize I need grace. So I say, Lord, help me. This wretched man who I am, who can escape this body of death. But thank be for Jesus Christ. The very next verse. Through him I can escape and overcome temptation. It is a process of overcoming and crucifying and killing the flesh and growing up my spiritual man from being an infant to becoming mature in Christ so that I can say no to temptation and live a holy life. Where sin becomes a rare exception to an otherwise holy life. That's where we're going. That makes us different to the world. The world are sinners. 
They lie, they steal, they swear, they do all those things. We, however, are different. We don't lie and steal and swear. We don't do that. Why? Because we, we in ourselves? No, 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 no. Because of his divine power. So that the good works that God prepared beforehand for us, we indeed can walk in them. Because remember, we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. For the good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The God who saved you will enable you and sustain you if you believe and trust him. If you believe and trust him and follow his Holy Spirit. He will lead you to overcome sin. This is good news. <laughs> Part two. Part one, I'm saved. I'm no longer here. Part two, I can actually overcome sin and death. Not because I can, because he can. Because now all of a sudden, because he's in me, greater is he that's in me, that is the spirit of the air, the, the spirit that leads the sons of disobedience. I now have a greater spirit in me. The Holy the What spirit? The Holy Spirit is now in me, who enables me. So if I healed myself, and I follow him, and I say, Lord, teach me, help me to overcome, he will do so. But it is a process. It, it is just God's nature to train and equip us, not to give us everything for free. He didn't give the promised land for free. He said, this is yours, everything is yours, but I'm not taking out the giants in the cities. I want you to go and take it. And this is how I'm going to take it. It's not going to be easy. You've got to do what I tell you to do. If you don't do what I tell you to do, you're not going to win. But if you do what I tell you to do, even though it doesn't make sense to walk around this city quietly, if you do what I tell you to do, you will take the city. That's God. We must believe and trust him and then just follow him. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He has given us everything that we need for life. Yeah? Food, clothing, eating, sleeping, all the things of life. He's given you everything you need for life in this world and godliness. As a matter of fact, he's given us his son, to redeem us from here into this. And therefore he will also give us everything that we need for this. Matthew 6 we know so well. Jesus says therefore do not be anxious. Saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles. The unbelievers. They seek after eating. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need for this life, he will grant you. But it's a mind shift. And it starts with your identity, who you are, who do you belong to? In whose house do you live? God has given us all things for life and godliness. We are different because of his grace. We are saved. 
We are called to be different in this life by the same grace available to us. The same grace that saved us while we were still dead in our trespasses, controlled by the desires of the flesh. That same grace that saved us there, which had nothing to do with us, we simply responded to it. We simply responded to it. There was a time and a moment where you had a T-junction in your life and you realized that you are a sinner and you need salvation. And you've heard the message of the gospel enough times, for some of you the first time, for some of you the 50,000th time being in church in all the Christian circles in your life. And finally the penny dropped. We need salvation. <laughs> and we said, yes, Lord, I accept. And immediately we were transferred. God said, that same grace is available for you in your struggle against sin. Ask me. And I will respond. But we must be willing to tap into that grace to remain different. So as we embark on this journey to be a city on a hill, to let our light so shine, that the whole world may see that we are different. The oil that is in our lamps that keeps us burning is not of ourselves. This is also good news. <laughs> Guess what? You cannot become more holy. You will reach the ceiling. The good news is that's where God comes in. We need His grace. He's divine power to hold us up. It's good news. But it brings with us also a mindset, a responsibility to heal to Him. Therefore, because the power and the grace we need is in God and He's already given it to all of us, therefore, we all can live a holy, godly life. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. From time to time, we fall. But sin will become a rare exception. And all it's take is a humble, willing, and a soft heart, a surrender to God, healing to the Holy Spirit. And He will give life to your mortal bodies. And God will receive all the glory for it. <laughs> Not you. You will say, you know what, what changed in me and what you see the change in me and the difference that you see in me is not me. <laughs> it's all him. He changed me. Oh, I'm, I'm not the one that can claim any glory for it. God called us, he redeemed us, and he empowered us. And we need to respond. And here's the thing, we need to respond to this. We need to respond to this revelation of His grace that not just saved us, but the grace that sustains us, that enables us. We need to respond to this and pursue it. That's the entire New Testament. Pursue God. Follow Him. Trust Him. Have faith in Him. Ask Him. The word came here this morning. It says, everything is yours to the oldest son. You've never even given me that. Father says, what are you talking about? Everything is yours. You just never asked. So ask me. Ask me for a lamb and I'll give you one. You just never asked, my son. So God is challenging us to ask. I'll end up with this. 
illustration. My, my youngest girl, um, she's longer than the oldest. Taller. Taller, thank you. She's taller than the eldest. And, and, and so she started high jumping. And, and she's, she's doing okay. I mean, I won't brag. She's doing okay. And, and, then, and then she was doing so okay that we had to get, like, you know, help outside of the town. And, and pay people to help her. And it's fascinating. My wife takes them to the coach. And when they walk, the coach looks at my wife. Uh, Lisa, come stand here. You'll see what I mean. You see. Does she look like a high jumper? So it's interesting. Every single professional coach, when they see Janine, they look at the mother and they go, uh-uh. Dan vraag hulle onmiddellik, hoe lang is jou pa? How long is the father? Because when I look at the mother, there's no potential here for this girl to grow, because she's 14. So they, the, the coaches want to see what is the potential for this girl to grow, to be able to jump. So if I look at the mother, hmm, this is not going to work. So how long is the father? Tall. How tall is the father? Uh, 1.8. Oh, okay. Good. Let's see what she can do. And then she jumps, and then he says, okay, I'll coach. Now, what they are referring to, it's very interesting, very interesting parallel I, I noticed. Theoretically, you can jump as high as you are tall. Truth, truth, Bob. So theoretically, I'm 1.8. I can actually high jump up to 1.8. That's why they look at the mother and the father. They want to know, this is 14 years. I know this girl can still grow, but I want to know before I invest my time in this girl, how tall is she going to get? Because the fact that she can jump now, 1.3, is not what we are talking about. We want to know, can she do two meters? So I want to know, how, what is the genetic possibility for this girl to grow so that she can go to the next level? Do you know what is the, the, the world record holder? Now this is interesting. Theoretically you can jump as tall as you are, but with training... With training, you can jump higher than your, your length. With training, you can jump higher than your length. The world record holder is 1.93 meters tall. 1.93. You know what's the world record that he holds? 2.45. That's a half a meter taller than him. Is this a half a meter? Not even. This is what I can do with training. Why am I saying that? 
You used to be here. But then you were born again by the Spirit of God who now lives in you. So, when you walk down the road, I will look at your mother and think, hmm, sinner. But then the question is, who's your father? How tall is he? How holy is he? Because I look at you, hmm, I don't think you're going to make it. But then I look at your father and I think, mm-hmm, I'll coach you. Hey, that's why I do what I do. I don't do what I do because I think you've got any potential. I do what I do because I know God has all the potential. And he lives in you. So it doesn't matter how broken and how sinful you are when you enter. I don't look at that. I look at who's in you. I'm willing to lay down my life coaching. Because I know you can jump far higher than you think you can. Because God is in you. He's given you everything that you need for life and godliness. So it doesn't matter what you are struggling with. Forgive me. I think that's why people don't come often to counseling for, to us. They prefer psychiatrists. Because all I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you who's in you. And therefore what you can do. I'm not going to accommodate what you can't do. I'm going I'm to help you to see what you can do. And jump. And jump. First, your own height. And then, we're going to go beyond that. Why? Because your father is very tall. Amen? So I'm going to conclude here. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but understand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify who? Who's your father? <laughs> Amen? That is where we're going. And I do love all of you. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, Ashish, please, can you hand out the communion? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that by your grace, you not only saved us, but you gave us another day. You gave us another day, and here we are, Lord, we're alive. Because you're not finished with us yet. Some of us has been here for a long time. And you're not finished with us. You know what you have in store for us. You know the plans and the purposes you have for us. And you know what you have given us. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to see how much you love us. How much you've given us. How great your grace is in us and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. What you have called us to. Lord, I pray that we will humble ourselves and choose 
Not to believe who the world says we are, but to believe who you say we are. Lord, I pray that you will grant us a willingness, a hunger, like an athlete who wants to be trained, who wants to push the natural boundaries of their own capacity through discipline and commitment and loyalty following you. That we will have the joy of jumping and becoming far more than we ever thought possible so that you will receive all the glory. God, I pray that you will grant us the desire and the passion to do this. Thank you that you've already given us everything that we need to do it. Help us to pursue it. I want to ask you as the eyes are closed and we're handing out the elements, why don't you just take a moment and just respond to the Lord. Whatever the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart this morning, just speak to Him in your own words. moment we're going to partake of communion together. We're going to thank God for His grace. For saving us. Calling us. Redeeming us. Giving His Spirit. Living in us. And while all the eyes are closed, if you are here this morning and You've not yet responded to the first grace, your salvation, an absolute surrender to Him. As a sinner, say, Lord, I, I need your saving grace. I need to be saved from this world. I want to follow you. If that is you this morning, you want to respond. You want to accept that first grace. Why don't you just raise your hand where you are. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? This is what today is all about. It's one sinner that comes to repentance. Jesus says, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous that needs no repentance. Because he came for you, sir. And it was worth it. So, Father, I want to pray for that heart that is responding now to you. I thank you, God. That there is great rejoicing and celebration because you have poured out your life to save another. And another has made a decision to surrender everything.
And Lord, so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come into that heart, into that life. Lord, I pray that you will fill that vessel with your love, your spirit, God. That you will renew and that you will establish eternity in their hearts. And Lord, I pray that they will grow in you, in the knowledge of you and the understanding of your ways and that they will follow it and it will change them to become more like you that they may reflect you in this world that you may receive the glory for it for the rest of us Lord, as we take this bread father we we thank you for our salvation that was not because of our sacrifice or our good works but it was because of your works your sacrifice of your son and as we take this bread, Lord, we remember the cost for our redemption. And we worship you for it. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. Lord, thank you for this cup. Thank you for this cup that was shed. The blood that was shed that represents this, this wine in this... In this cup, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us life through your Son. And with it, eternal life that starts here and now through your Spirit in us. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to live in such a way that we will give honor to you. Thank you for your grace to do so. Let's drink together. Father, as we leave this place, I thank you that we are called. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are special. God, help us to never forget that. It's because of your grace. Help us to go in this world and be different. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. May God bless you. You are special. Don't forget that. See you next week. If you need